Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Cult and Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. I'm your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. With me today is uh, commentator Tad Mastrioni. How are you doing, Tad? It's going to be a slobber knocker tonight. (laughs) It is. It is indeed. I'm really excited about this one. This is one of those movies that actually was on my list to include when we started this over two years uh, about two years ago uh and so it's it's been a long time coming this is part two of our pairing called robo rumble last week we talked about the uh transformers reboot bumblebee from 2018 we gave it an overall favorable review though we did have some criticisms uh this is another giant robot movie this one is from 1989 sometimes you'll see it credited as 1990 it's you know, whenever that happens, it's the difference between when it was made to when it was actually released. So this movie is, uh, a lot of people think it's a full moon movie. It is kind of a full moon pictures movie, but it actually was Empire Pictures before full moon started. So it's the same people. It's just um, it, it full moon hadn't actually been created and named that yet. Interestingly enough, uh, Empire went bankrupt making this movie. Uh, so it was then picked up by Epic releasing, uh, and now it is it is owned and released by Full Moon Video, where it belongs. So this movie is directed and co-written, the story really is written, by cult film legend Stuart Gordon. Uh, people who, I mean, people will know Reanimator, even if they don't know his name, and he made Reanimator. So it is, and he actually, this is his movie following Reanimator, so this is a couple years later. And... Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to talk about. I'm very excited. The screenplay was worked on by Joe Haldeman, who is, if science fiction novel fans will recognize that name, most likely, very, very prolific science fiction novelist. And it is about a, a futuristic world where war has been outlawed. There's two factions, which we can essentially break down to Americanized faction and Russian faction. And, uh, and instead of war, they have sort of person on person robot battles uh so it's a mech movie right i i think listeners will probably if you haven't seen this you very likely have seen Guillermo de toro's uh film pacific rim or its sequel john boyega now i'm going to preface that statement in fact i love Guillermo de toro he's one of my favorite filmmakers he's an amazing artist a brilliant writer just really excellent i hated pacific rim uh pacific rim to me he set out to make essentially a live action anime film but it had so many, the designs were great, the aliens and or the creatures and the mechs were great. The script was just abysmal. The, the, the intentional cliches did not land properly for me. It was just a real mess. And we had, again, like we talked about last week with the Michael Bay uh, directed Transformers movies, why in the fuck are we watching people so much uh, in a giant robot monster movie? This is an interesting departure from that, though, because we do get a lot of it, this is mostly a people and we do have some really standout robot battles. But I will argue that the robot battles in this are incredibly satisfying, super great looking. Uh, and we'll talk about the different methods they use. And also they're they're used climactically, like they're big moments in the movie, like you lead up to them in the way it's built in many ways, like a. Uh, karate kid or a blood sport um a, a sort of arena movie 
right? Because they're combatants entering the arena. So everything is prepping up to it. It's a Rocky movie, right? I mean, we're going to draw comparisons, of course, to, to Rocky uh, for uh, with Dolph Lundgren as uh, <laughs> Drago. But this is, this is really cool. I, I, I'm just bursting to talk about this movie. So as I said, directed by Gordon, um, written by Joe Haldeman, there were a million versions of this script that went through. And somebody else actually wrote a script and it went to the studio. Haldeman saw it and said, I hate this. This is terrible. I'll tell you why. And he sent it. And he didn't hear back for a long time. So he's like, well, they went with it. That sucks. And then he got a call. And they were like, yeah, we agree with everything you said. This is totally the wrong thing. Come write the script. So that's eventually what happened. We have some, we have a lot of working actors, as we often get with um, a, a full moon or empire produced film. We get a lot of working actors who do a great job, but maybe didn't ever make it like huge. The lead is Gary Graham. He plays the Robo Jock. Uh, the original title of this film was Robo Jocks, although Joe Haldeman wanted to call it The Mechanics, which I think is interesting. The Mechanics would have been the name of the novel versus the movie, right? Uh, and it was originally called Robo Jocks versus Robot Jocks. But Achilles is a Robo Jock, and he's like the last heavy hitter for the, uh, I'm just going to say the U.S. and Russia, because that's clearly what they're supposed to be. Uh, the U.S.'s last chance against Alexander, who is played by uh, Paul Koslow, one of two of the biggest names in this. Um, he was in, I mean, he's been in a, a lot of high-profile movies. Uh, he, was, he was Dutch in The Omega Man, 71. He was Vanishing Point. He's been in a gajillion, gajillion movies. Um, he passed away in 2019. But he plays Alexander, this really, like, the Russianiest Russian that you could have, right? Like, you know, I will break you. This drink tastes like blood. Ha, ha, ha. Like, this I will is, step on you. I will step on you. Yeah, like, the super heavy-handed. Um, and what's interesting here is Stuart Gordon pushed for the use of sort of, they say stereotypes. I'm going to say, I'm going to change that. I'm going to say icons, right? Uh, in this movie, there, everyone is sort of a, sort of an action figure of a, of a, of a profile we already know. Yes, you could say cliche. Yes, you could say stereotype. I'm not going to say stereotype, though, because I think it's intentional. There's a reason why you use shorthand sometimes with stereotypes. And this, listeners, is something that is true in writing and film and all these things. And you will rarely, if ever, hear it because people are like, you don't want a stereotype. You don't want a flat character, right? You don't want to use stereotypes when it hurts people. But you do need to use cues like, um, I mean, it, to get technical, iconography is the same thing, right? You want to use these sort of placeholder characters when you need to clue in the audience what to expect without a lot of exposition. So Achilles is the sort of reluctant warrior, right? He's the gladiator that's fighting for the U.S.'s side, and he wants to be done. He hates it. It's, it's life-threatening. He wants to retire. And when he does, sort of like a Rocky moment, when he does, people shit on him, and his quote-unquote fans threaten him and all this stuff, right? Whereas Alexander is the placeholder of like the hard Russian, like fight for every, like I am, I am a soldier. I will fight to fight, right? It doesn't matter what's behind me. I am here to, I am a, I am a warrior and I will be a warrior. That is all I am. And then we get Achilles trainer, 
right, who is <laughs> Mr. America, uh, the cowboy man. Uh, he is he is Tex Conway is his name. The name alone says it. Played by Michael Allridge, another well-known uh, character actor. And again, spoilers. You will hear spoilers in this. If this movie, if big robots in like 80s with stop motion and models and cool shit like that sounds like your jam and you haven't seen this, stop. I usually don't say this. I'm usually like, it won't matter. Just stop. Just stop listening. Go watch this movie. It's on, I believe it's on Tubi. It's, you can, you can stream it if you have full moon streaming service. It just, there's a million ways to watch this movie. Go watch it and then come back. Okay. I'm going to give you one, two, and then three. Okay. If you're still here, it's your own fault. If, if this is getting your, uh, a little bit of spoiled, but Tex Conway, who's like the big trainer, he was the previous Achilles, right? The previous best pilot is a traitor and he is giving away all the secret weapon info to the Russian side. And who discovers this? The actual like head scientist, engineer, designer of these weapons, uh, Dr. Matsumoto, who is played by Danny Kamakona, who viewers will definitely recognize. He was in Karate Kid 2. He's been in a million things. Very recognizable, excellent actor. Well, he gets killed, but he does a, uh, well, they did the exact same thing in Spider-Man um, Far From Home, where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio records uh, the, the uh, he records his death scene. Although in that case, he falsifies it to make Spider-Man look like a villain. In this case, uh, Dr. Matsumoto records his murder by Tex Conway to, uh, to reveal that Tex Conway is the real spy. But Achilles ends up fighting Alexander, even though he doesn't want to. Why? Well, he doesn't want Athena, who is a tubi. These are um, humans that were bred via test tube and probably artificial insemination, who knows. But they're bred uh, without clear parent uh, lineage to be the ultimate fighters. So they're raised just to be robo-jocks. And uh, they seem pretty green. They don't really understand a lot of things about humanity because they've only been taught to, to do this. And uh, Achilles ends up getting sort of a, a a very 80s, like, macho man crush on Athena, who is the only female in the group. She's uh, played by Anne-Marie Johnson, who she was, um, I, I believe she was Sid, not Sidney Poitier, but the character Sidney Poitier played, Mr. Tibbs, uh, Detective Tibbs. He played, she played his wife in the TV show version of In the Heat of the Night, if memory serves. Uh, she, though does not see Achilles. She clearly, there's a chemistry between them, but she sees him as sort of someone to learn from and then ultimately a coward because he says fear is important and she's like, bullshit. So she ends up hijacking the RoboJock uh, and fighting Alexander and getting her ass whooped. And uh, at this point, Achilles basically runs out on the field and says, hey, you know, you want to fight me, you're going to let me fight you. And he does. So he then battles and there's this, they even guys, they even fly the mechs into orbit at one point uh, and then come back down to earth. It is, it is a fantastic, wonderful robo battle that I'm sure we'll talk heavily about, but it's just the reason that these placeholder characters, these paper dolls, right? These, um, these shorthand for characters we already know or used is because the goal is not to develop these characters heavily. It's to show some basic truths about war and humanity. And to do that, they don't need these unique individual characters. They need standing characters so we know exactly what they're like and what they stand for. So when they come to certain decisions or, or 
or big moments, we know what the moment means because we're not trying to decipher the characters. Okay, so this is why it can be useful to use this kind of um, not real character. And again, you won't hear this often, but it's 100% true. I think the term you're looking for is an archetype. There you go. Thank you, Tad. I knew you would have it. It is an archetype. <laughs> They're all archetypes. And uh, and it's interesting because Joe Haldeman argued apparently heavily with um, Stuart Gordon about that. Stuart Gordon, one of these as archetypes. And I totally get both sides, especially if you were writing this as a novel, they wouldn't work very well because your characters, they're just not as interesting on their own, right? But in a movie where the goal is to pit these two people against each other, you know, everything builds up to the moment of 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 head-to-head battle. Uh, it actually works really well. You also just get some when you when you put those archetypes there, and then you put these great character actors in them. It's just super entertaining to watch. Like, I mean, Michael Aldridge as Tex Conway. I mean, Aldridge just eats up the screen. Like, he's exactly what you hate that he is right he's a uh, american he's uh bullheaded he's sexist but he's also sickeningly charming in that way because he talks with a you know a heavy accent and he jo- cracks jokes and he seems to really like his protege achilles although you find out of course he is a uh a, 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 tra- a traitor um he also has great lines like when he's He's got a gun and he's, uh, you know, been outed by Dr. Matsumoto. Matsumoto is like talking him out of it. Like somewhere in you, there was a person before you were a traitor. You were, you know, the real Tex Conway He's still in there. And he mimes like he's going to shoot himself. And then he's like, you're right. And he kills Matsumoto and says, meet the real Tex Conway. That is a great moment. Like it is... It's just, it's well done. It's a, it's a film noir, right? It's a detective story moment. It's this, um, and, and here's the thing, you know, at a certain point, you figure that Tex Conway is the traitor pretty early on, right? Because there's not a huge cast. You know, it's going to be somebody. Um, and it seems likely that it's going to be a surprising somebody. So you figure, okay, well, it's, we're not getting much of like the congressman or whatever, who's the commissioner. Uh, and we're not getting a ton of the the scientist, right? Uh, but we're getting a ton of this other guy. We know it's not the lead because we follow him everywhere. So it's not shocking, but that because of that, his little actions and his character acting elevates it. I also want to give him a shout out and the script the script a shout out for the best moment when the tape is played that Dr. Matsumoto. Uh, recorded which by the way is played during the battle when Athena's stolen the robot uh, and everybody's just in the room like what the fuck is happening uh we get the great moment where commissioner's like arrest that man and the two soldiers are like holy crap and they go to arrest him and he's like I'll see you hang for this and Tex Conway says no I'll see you in hell and he literally runs and jumps out of the building and dies when he hits the ground like that that was a great moment like it's just again excellent best best spy villain i have seen in so long i can't even name i mean i can't even name a competitor it's really really great uh okay so i've I've gone on and on let's talk about the robot battles okay i mentioned you mentioned last movie uh robotech battle this is battle Battle okay i mean also macross and robotech 
Battletech yeah. is taken from Robocop. Yes. Um, there's a lot of history behind that for people who don't know. Um, I'm not going to get into that piece, but um, <laughs> there is a lot of shared artwork between the Macross series, Robotech, and Battletech because essentially there was some license sharing and there was a whole legal tangle that went on literally for years until just in the past God, I think it was like just the past five years where that was all finally settled. But yep. um, you will the, be digging through linked Wikipedia pages for several days trying to easily. untangle it. Yes. But uh, um, you're wait, you're going to talk about robots? Well, I will talk about just a little bit and then we'll get in because you're, you're more of an expert on, on, on Battletech than I am. But okay. what's interesting, so, so Battletech has become, it, it's more known for the games, right? Computer games and role playing games, whereas Macross and Robotech are known for their anime and manga. Uh, but all of it comes down to people piloting big robots in big wars, okay? These are not things that Joe Haldeman and probably Stuart Gordon did. They're not things they weren't aware of, right? Because they're all over this movie. This is the best, I will say, the best Battletech movie uh, that we've never received, right? Like, because the robots... In many ways, Mech Warrior is something that more people will be familiar with in, in yes. that way. Um, same concepts. And the, there's some things to to know about what that means when you're saying it's like Mech Warrior, it's like Battletech, it's like Robotech. The robots feel real. They're heavy. They're slow. They're machines. So they're not perfect. They're not people, right? Like they're they're clumsy sometimes. Uh, and the fact that they got the vibe of that, the fact that every movement is labored and huge and slow is, and still made it exciting, it actually helps the tension. Um, and we get all sorts of great things like uh, different designs for robots. No detail is sort of left unexplored. Like we see the, I forget the name of Achilles robot, but the, the US robot, um, he has like, which Optimus Prime and lots of Transformers have, he has like uh, tank treads on the back of his calves, the robot calves. And the whole movie, you're kind of like, it seems silly that those are there if they're not like something. Well, they are something and they do use them. And he does sort of transform into a little tank bot. And, you know, so it's like everything is kind of intentional, right? So I'll pass it on to you because I know you've got a lot to talk about with this. So interestingly enough, and I didn't know this until today that uh, Robot Jocks was the first full moon, quote, picture I'd ever seen. Because I saw this movie uh, back when I was 19 and loved it because I grew up playing Battletech. And mm -hmm. I mean, Mech Warrior 1, 2, and 3, because um, I didn't get my hands on the tabletop until much later in life. And... But I knew the lore because even the video games were heavily invested in letting you understand what the universe was like and what the context of what the hell was going on because it's not just about big stompy robots. The Battletech universe is much more than giant robots. It's actually just what I would consider to be the most logical conclusion to humanity extending out to the stars. Like if you really want to dig into Battletech lore and the more you get into it, the more you go, oh God, that's exactly what it would be like. I mean, give or take some some uh, some cultural absorption, because uh, mm -hmm. in the 31st century, apparently 
uh, Japan just becomes space Japan, which is highly unlikely. <laughs> it's unlikely that a culture would just be able to infinitely spread out across thousands of star systems. But one thing that I noticed in this that I didn't you know, really pick up on when I was a kid is you mentioned the Tubies, Nate. That's mm -hmm. essentially, and again, this movie came out in what, 89, 90? Battletech only came out in 1984, and some of that lore wasn't fleshed out yet. But for people who mm -hmm. don't know Battletech, that seems to me to be a reference to the clans, which is for a, for a brief history, humanity uh, starts developing space travel, then starts developing faster than light travel, starts spreading into into a large section of the galaxy. And, I might, and by large, I mean large by our standards, by the galaxy, it's tiny. But a uh, huge civil war breaks out after hundreds of years of a golden age. And then a whole mm -hmm. splinter faction of the military breaks off and just fucks off and says, we're going to go somewhere else. We're tired of this shit. They fought for years to liberate everybody. And they were essentially branded as uh, they were they were essentially written off, almost branded as criminals. They said, we're done with this. We left. So they left. And then years later, they show up again. And they're genetically modified freaks who are bred essentially for war or bred for whatever they're, it's a, it's a caste system and everyone is bred for what their standing in life is. So you can't help but notice that parallel in a movie like this, where they're starting to breed humans literally just for this purpose. And I'm like, mm, it's the clans. And it has the same problem where they start interacting with normal humans. And not only do they kind of look down on normal humans because it, to them, it's kind of filthy. They're like, ew, you actually have sex to make people? Like, right. that's gross. But not only that, they don't understand the X factor of the pure chaos of being a human that generally tends to make people who are absolutely exceptional and you can't pin it down. Like the Athena is trying to figure uh -huh. out what makes Achilles special. And it turns out it's nothing literally nothing because he wasn't bred for it he wasn't programmed for it it's just he's just talented and that's not something that they understand like in the clans uh -huh. they don't understand or embrace talent because they're like well we didn't create it it doesn't make sense to us like if you want to like i'm not going to go too deep into it because i'll go nuts but if you like battle tech <laughs> is one of the battle tech is legit one of those things if anyone knows has heard me talk star wars is dead to me but if there is any fandom that I care about more than Star Wars, it's Battletech. And I keep it secret because nobody's ruined Battletech yet the way that Star Wars <laughs> has been ruined. Battletech is still alive and well. There is, um, I recommend uh, Black Pants Legion, Text Talks Battletech. Those are the kind of things you want to dig, dig into. Sarna.net if you really want to get into this universe. But anyway, back to the movie. Um I, I forgot the joke about how, hello, everybody, it's Jim Ross, and welcome to WWE Raw. But the, the, it's Jim Ross. This is literally WWF yeah. with robots and Rocky at the same time. It's a, it's a yes. gorgeous blending. It is the whole movie has actual characters. This I was actually really impressed. How much money did this movie cost? Because aside from how silly some of the sets are, and it's clear they're cheap, and it, it almost seems like a joke because there is a fight scene in his apartment, I guess, where he mm -hmm. just is thrown into a wall and the wall breaks. And it's like, yeah. it's clearly a movie set. But at the same time in the universe, it makes sense because it's post-nuclear. Everything is cheap. It's still like, the, it's the future, but everything looks like it's a Tandy 500 computer. Right. 
and they have like like brick phones like you, you have to well, act and, like and all the people that aren't <laughs> all the people that aren't involved with the government or the robot jocks they're basically medieval right like they yes. have they're wearing rags um they have uh, to have course, masks because of the uh, because of the probably yes, the nuclear it fallout was that's so in the air. trippy to see everyone just just like during covid everyone having to wear a, a, the same medical mask that were everywhere in the world during our time but also wearing them kind of haphazardly sometimes they take them off sometimes as they actually would had they needed them because we know that's what they did because we witnessed it so it was really weird to see that um and there's also a population problem it's not and it doesn't end up being a huge factor it's interesting because clearly that's the only remnant and we only know about it because achilles brother and his wife are like have a bunch of kids and when they have more kids they get more government assistance like a bigger house blah 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 and there's another bedroom right yes we get six kids we get three bedrooms um and there's another uh and there are a couple of posters on like that are like prenatal and it's just trying to encourage people to have children um that that is the only bit it doesn't really detract but it's the only thing in this movie that doesn't directly relate to the plot and that to me is the greatest achievement in this movie and why you can use archetypes without it feeling dull and cliched it moves with intention there's nothing in it that is um why are we looking at this i mean even when he goes to see his brother that's really just the, the kid stuff is just stage decoration because he's actually um finding out that people are harassing his brother's family because he quit because achilles quit right so it's there's every single scene moves the movie forward and my god how refreshing is that like bumblebee which i enjoyed did not have that kind of uh clarity of of progression okay and it is wild so when you couple that with good acting good writing like decent dialogue and awesome special effects and i mean awesome they built they built cockpits for these robots they built actual robots uh element you know that they use for stop motion we have some of the later famed full moon style stop motion animation in this um we just absolutely phenomenal like some of the and really good green screening like especially you still see green screening that looks like crap um i mean i watched ant-man and wasp in quantumania and not to really rip on because i mean there's a lot of talented people involved in these movies but i will say this the movie no matter how good you know the uh the, the technology that they were using on it like the you know what they use for mandalorian and stuff when you're not careful when it's not with intent you can tell it's real people running in front of an animated scene. It doesn't look right. And in this, yes, you can tell sometimes they're, they're green screen, but <laughs> frankly, most of it is top tier. Like there are many professional movies, Die Hard, for example, that does not have as good green screen as they implemented in this movie. Now, to your question about what did this cost? It did bankrupt Empire. The estimated budget is 10 million. I call... I call Liza Minnelli. No I don't believe that. Um, that is not a $10 million uh, budget on this. And if it is, then that there were other problems. And I will say this. Full Moon has a history of, of, of and I know this is pre-Full Moon, but it's a lot of the same people. They have a history of milking uh, money to move to other projects through, through a franchise. So it's possible that a lot of money went where it wasn't originally intended to by the financiers. But 
if that's not the case, 10, 10 million is kind of ridiculous to assume. Um, but they got a lot of bang for their buck. There's a really great scene in this movie too, which is what triggers Achilles quitting because he has a 10 fight contract, right? And his 10th fight is called a draw and he's supposed to go back. Uh, but the reason it's called a draw is uh, there are rules. There are, are, are referees who, who watch these fights and, and say what can and can't happen. You're only supposed to use long range weapons when you're a certain distance away. When that gap is closed, they're not allowed to use long range weapons. Part of the reason is, is because they can easily miss when you're close and hit the onlookers. There are people who watch, okay? And so at one point in this first battle between Achilles and Alexander, uh, Achilles about defeats Alexander. And then Alexander, as he's fallen backward, fires a, a secret weapon that they developed, which is it's that classic giant robot thing of the fist that goes flying, like it shoots out. <laughs> and uh, it's going to hit the crowd. And and uh, so Achilles uses his last moments uh, in the robot to leap in front of it. Well, of course, it hits him and knocks him into the crowd, crushing like 300 people. It is a great moment because it tells, it, it really lends, you don't, totally know where the film is going in tone until that moment it could go a lot of different ways right and at that moment you realize oh this may feel like um Stuart gordon said it's a kid's movie where 300 people die um it could go any way like is this going to be super serious and horrid and sad is this going to be like a, a fun adventure and at that moment you realize oh this is this is like um kind of a war movie right even though war is quote-unquote outlawed it is there are casualties it's a war movie it's the people the robo jocks are are traumatized right but so achilles quits he says nope i finished the fight doesn't matter if that was a draw i fought so it counts and he leaves he only comes back as i said before to prevent athena from fighting because she's next in line and uh which she doesn't like there's the great you mentioned the fight scene between them in his apartment and what's what's hilarious and i love this moment i'd forgotten it um and I was actually cringing until it happened because we get this thing where like <laughs> she's fighting him because she she's in she walks in kind of like hey because they've had some moments that have kind of been you know he at least feels are there's an attraction and she keeps coming back so you kind of feel there probably is but she actually tricks him and injects him with a um uh and uh, what do you call she puts him to sleep tries to put him to sleep and so he doesn't fully go to sleep so he's trying to fight her in his apartment. Um, to keep her from stealing the robot and going out there. And at one point, they're fighting. She's getting the best of him for the most part. And finally, he, he because she's small, traps her on the bed, has both arms, and then says, you know, like, um, I'm doing this for you, right? And then she go, he kisses her, which is very problematic, especially in today's age. And I'd forgotten he does that, and she bites his lip and then and kicks him in the, in, the, in the genitals and knocks him over. <laughs> and that's how she... And it was such a great moment because, as you mentioned, her character is childlike, right? She doesn't have experience, which is ultimately what fails her, right? Because he says fear is important. She says, I don't have fear. I've been built not to have fear. And of course, we see her have fear on the field. And presumably, in my reading, because she's not, she's not experienced it, instead of actually being able to react, yes. right, she, it, it, it freezes her and, and causes her to fail. Um, and then, you know, he goes and he takes the robot. And as he's lifting her out, she grabs him and kisses him and whatever. So, okay, fine. It's like the doctor uh, says, experience is essential, but yes. luck is important too. 
That's true. And that's the thing, too. There's like so soldiers. many good quotes in this movie. There are so many good quotes. The writing is good. And um, and there, so okay, here's for those of you that have not haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a long time, because this, as Tad said, I saw this about when Tad did. So it's been I don't know, 14 years, right? Oh, um, longer I've than that. Holy shit, I've, longer than I've that. owned this movie so many times. Um, <laughs> and yet I hadn't watched it since then because i loved it i'm like this is great so you know when you revisit a movie like that you don't know if you're like please hold up right like i don't know this movie not only held up it went so far beyond my highest hopes i love this movie it is it is a, a true achievement in what you can do with a small budget feature uh and and still make triple a quality uh, story entertainment animation i mean just really it really nails it out of the park um it's it's sort of as you said it's like rocky meets uh mech warrior meets um WWF. Every, you know all the wwf it's also sort of um original star trek meets with a sprinkle of next generation uh meets rocky like there's there's all these elements that just work so well is anything new no that's the beauty of it in many ways is it took all of these things and said, you know, these are going to make like the best meal combining <laughs> these ingredients. And they did. And they really, really did. And here's what's so great, right? You finally get the ultimate end battle, which is between the robots, which is great because uh, Achilles robots destroyed and he's literally running across the ground and Alexander's trying to step on. Him. He has like a spidery robot, which is a fun little touch. And, uh, and he, how does he destroy Alexander's robot? He does the whole thing where he finds the severed arm of Alexander's machine and Jimmy, you know, uh, hot wires it to fire the shooting fist that caused, you know, all those deaths in the beginning to hit and blow up Alexander's robot. And then we get the greatest of 80s movie tropes. The single best 80s movie trope that still continues and should continue to this day because it is the most satisfying thing. The battle continues. Alexander shows up having survived and attacks Achilles man to man with like a, 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 a junk pole. axe. Like, yes, yeah, just literally garbage. like an axe that's yeah. made out of scrap metal. <laughs> yes, whatever pieces are around and fights. And it's just so great because Achilles is is like screaming he's beating him and alexander's on the ground and alexander is like lazily grabbed this rock they're both like stumbling it's again it's very rocky um and achilles is like we can live and he goes i am a robot shock like i'll you know we you know i kill and he's like we can both live and he says it so many times and finally alexander is standing and you see the rock fall out of his hand and they both do that thing that they both start laughing and they fist bump, which is, it doesn't sound as goofy as it is. It's a little goofy, but it's what they do to say, like, you know, it's their high five, essentially. Oh, right? it's goofy it's as shit when you realize that uh, Achilles has basically a power glove with some RCA cables coming out yes, of it. Yes, totally, totally. <laughs> and I want to talk about that cockpit. So anyway, so you get that moment and it's it's the moment. So uh, I know Alan, Alan Moore has said that he hates Alan Moore hates everything. Well, yes, but he hates uh, Batman the Killing Joker, right? Oh, he hates sake. it. He says he says it, it's and and I and here's the thing, it's an excellent, excellent story, but I understand why he hates it. It's sort of the most pessimistic in many ways, and the it's sort of a in a way it's 
a troll on the reader that the characters are aware of at the end, right? Because Joker has done these horrible things. He's um, he's crippled Batwoman permanently for the rest of existence, right? Really, um, and he's um, humiliated uh, Commissioner Gordon. And at the end, Batman is beating the pulp out of him and is like, "How could?" Basically, like on the brink of killing him in theory. Like, how could you? And then Joker's like, "It's the joke. Don't you get it?" It's like he might have well said, uh, 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 you know, it's like, uh, it's the game. And like, you know, he could have just said that. And and Batman just kind of starts to chuckle and they're both laughing. And then he hauls him off to jail. And it's like the characters are aware of the absurdity and the reader is not expecting the absurdity. And so I don't know how you do that meta troll where like you're trolling the reader without, with with the character, like everybody, everything, the entire thing is trolling. And so I know that, I think that's why he hates it in many ways because it's it does this trick right because but it's that moment where two essentially two warriors that are different all opposite sides of the same act right this fight this this combativeness are come together and are like we're both just disasters in this you know in the same way even though we're so radically different and that's sort of this like it is a war movie where there wasn't a war quote-unquote you know um achilles and alexander hit gloves and it's sort of this we are more than what the sum of our actions right we're more than just soldiers forced to battle in a game where no one else has to fight anymore but we do like all of the pressure right because they're fighting over territory there's a claim over Alaska. So whoever wins this, their side gets Alaska. And that's how they do these things in this in this world. So it's a great moment. And I loved it. I also, as you said, Achilles is wearing like a power glove with RCA cable. They're literally RCA AV cables plugged into his glove. What's crazy is, so I mentioned Pacific Rim earlier. Pacific Rim, and others have too, but Pacific Rim especially it uses the same exact cockpit setup, but not as not as realistic as this movie. The people go in, they grab their their gear, their gloves, they're suited up, and they literally just act in this empty space to mimic the robot. Now, yes, has it been done before? Of course. It is very similar in Pacific Rim. And what's more is there are some shots that are kind of similar to Pacific Rim, uh, like when Achilles robots on the ground and the... Uh, or not even on the ground, it's cracked, his cockpit's cracked open and he's hanging. It, there's a lot of parallels. There's also the fact that what are the controls that they use to control Achilles' robot? They're fucking Oculus controllers and, yes. and Veeb controllers. They're literally the circular controller that fits around, that goes around the wrist loosely and you hold with a center bar with buttons on it. What the heck? It literally is exactly that. And we didn't, and this is 1989, we didn't get these controllers until... For 15 more what? years. Two. Yeah, 2000, at least. 2006, when the Wii came out. Like, that's yeah. when we really started you, seeing that. Yeah, and the Wii didn't even have the uh, the round, what would you call it? It's like a guard, but they didn't yeah, even have but, that. Yeah. That wasn't even until even later than that, you know, another five, ten years, like 20 years before. Like, it's Star Trek with the tablets, right? Like, it's it's shockingly <laughs> accurate. Um, I also liked that they had 
they made an effort to put in like, how does this work? Well, he walks when they're in the thing, they walk the robot by walking on a sliding metal panel, like the old school VR machines that they had yeah. briefly. Which um, is really funny I, because so for poor reference in the Battletech universe, how you solved this problem was technology that was essentially what what, what culminated in a neuro helmet. You connected your nervous system mm -hmm. directly. Uh, so it was a little more, uh, actually a lot more advanced technology, which obviously could uh, theoretically lead to problems, which it did. But a neural helmet would essentially uh, plug your nervous system into a giant robot where you your reaction time, well, of, aside from the lag of being in a friggin' 80 to 100 ton robot, um, yeah. could match your nervous system and people had to get used to it. But that that lines up more with how things would be in a low tech society where um, they don't have decent communication technology, but they have giant robots because they nuked everything else. So all right. they have is candies. Yeah, a, a pad makes sense, but in a in a in a realistic future, you're like, oh, we kind of need to have some sort of neurological interface to make this thing work. Well, and I mean, there's other thoughts too. Like you could, like I think Evangelion, uh, the anime, did did the liquid right they're suspended in yes. liquid and so and so they can move in the liquid and the central to pick it up without the without the having to walk on actual physical space so there's tons of ways to get around it but you're totally right it's like it's like um well like they tried to do with star trek enterprise right like even though it's forward and future it actually feels in many ways Retro. dated because right because they've they've sort of lost technology so anyway we've gone a long way about this movie but honestly and i can't touch i know it's hard to explain. I didn't touch as much on it. The visual, the work they put in to make the robot fights and to make them look right is truly commendable. Like it is the best. Like it is, you'll see some shots and be like, how do they do that? And you're like, cause it's a real model. And the stop motion is so smooth sometimes that, and sometimes it's stop motion. Sometimes it's puppetry, I believe. And that's how you get these incredible good, smooth moments. You're like, I can't believe it. Uh, it's that good. Uh, so watch this movie. I really love this movie. Uh, you can watch it with your kids around. They're not going to be offended. It's actually rated PG, even though there is uh, there are two butts. We see um, Achilles' butt first, and then uh, we see Athena's butt and full butt. But again, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's 80s, and it's 80s, and it's not in sexual way. You don't see it's not for sex or anything. It's just nudity, which means that it passed the censors, which means it's only PG. So interesting. Uh, but yeah, you can totally watch it. It's not uh, it's not offensive. It's just it's just really great. I, I I really I cannot stress it enough. Here's my recommendation: if you like science fiction movies, if you like full moon movies, if you like um, Stuart Gordon as a director, and why wouldn't you watch Robot Jocks? There is a there is there was going to be a sequel. The sequel's uh, concept, interestingly enough, was that Achilles and Alexander would have to team up because there are aliens coming to uh, invade. I'd be very curious to see what that actually would be, uh, but they didn't end up doing it. Uh, they did make Albert Band, who is uh, was the father, longtime filmmaker from the 50s, father of uh, Charles Band, who of course runs Full Moon and has made many, many movies. Albert Band directed the spiritual sequel, uh, which is 
often found as Robot Wars. Robot uh, Wars, from, right? I, I was, was going to say, was, wasn't that a sequel or was that supposed it's, to just be a... It's, it's more of a spiritual sequel. They they pretended it was a sequel. Like, for example, the tagline when it was released, I, I think on the original poster... First there was about, Robot Jocks. Yeah, and, uh, and interestingly enough, Robot Wars, I believe the actual original title is Crash and Burn. And Crash and Burn is what the pilots, is what the Robot Jocks say in Robot Jocks to each other. Crash and Burn. It's like they're um, break you know, a leg. They're sort of break a leg exactly yeah. uh, they say crash and burn so it, it was clearly intended uh it's a very entertaining movie it is not on robot jocks level um i i recommend seeing it if you like you know sort of goofy low budget robot movies but by the same token um with robot jocks you get that with a great story great acting just it, it knocks everything out of the park uh so check out robot jocks Tad, would you recommend Robot Jocks? If so, why into who? Yes, I absolutely would recommend this movie. I give it ch- 10 chainsaw dicks out of 10 because you forgot to mention the chainsaw dick. Yes. That's, a, so, that's like so... one of the most famous scenes about this movie. You forgot the right. chainsaw dick. I, I, I did just forget it. How could you forget that? Yes. Uh, the Alexander's robot, the, the ultimate move that forces achilles out of his robot uh to to run across the, the desert sand is uh, is achilles is knocked down and alexander's robot's pelvis opens up and a chainsaw comes out and uh hits the cockpit right in the center also just a fascinating thing those who've watched robot wars the um the tv series that was like a, a sort of reality competition show on sci-fi channel and other places where people designed these little robots and fought them it was a super big fad for a while. It's still pretty cool. I'm sure it takes place in many places still, uh, just not televised. Um, it, it's very much like this. Um, they, you know, you think of ways to defeat the enemy's robot. And so sometimes, like, for example, in Robot Wars, the actual thing, I believe one of the most successful robot combatants of all time was literally a wedge. Like, it yes. was a metal wedge that would scoot across the ground because it would knock the, ro- the opponents over or flip them over to when they couldn't do anything. Uh, it's just brilliant, right? It's not even it's not even a weapon, uh, really. It's so it's yeah, it's, it's convergent evolution. Eventually, you'll find the most optimal way of de- dealing with a situation. Also, sure. like you can't really see my finger, but for people who can see this, if you're a BattleTech fan, have a look at this cover That's and right. look real hard and realize <laughs> this is a dragon. If you're a BattleTech fan, you look at this and you go, that's a fucking dragon. That is a 60-ton dragon out of the Draconis Combine because they did absolutely take some inspiration from some of the designs because like oh. some of this right here, that's some Warhammer right here. But this, these yeah. arms, those are dragons. Yeah, you will see if watching the movie, especially when they're like in the... And I mean, they built giant, giant sets in this. Like it did cost money. Uh, it didn't cost 10 million, but it did cost money and it it just looks great. I just can't, I cannot stress it enough. Watch this freaking movie. Thank you guys so much for listening here on Galton Classic Films Podcast. I'm not sure I've ever been so like uh, aggressive about it. Uh, but it, how often do you see a movie that just exceeds its expectations and the expectations were already high? So check it out. Please rate us all the stars wherever you get your podcast. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Please go to our website, coltonclassicfilms.com, and subscribe to our newsletter so you can get on the mailing list and get all of the new things that we're doing before they're announced publicly. I promise it's going to be worth it. Thank you so much. 
Thanks, Tad. Thanks, everyone. And place out as always at the Chud with all about you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.